It's uh, really good to be with you tonight, and uh, so I'm the middle of a sandwich here. First singing, then me, so I don't know if I'm egg salad or ham or whatever, then, then those guys. Now, isn't that good music? I mean, my goodness. I think, for, for me, that's heavenly music here on earth. I love that style of music, guys. I listen to it on the computer, and uh, my wife sometimes wonders what happens to me. But anyway, I feel like I'm really, you know, I'm going to, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to put this down here. Okay, a little closer to you. But you know what? I can never do what you're doing. I, it, it, to me, that's impossible. A lot of reasons why. I won't tell you all of them, but you know what? The reason I say that is because that's what a lot of people say to us missionaries. Say, I can never do what you're doing. And that's one of the reasons I entitled this, this presentation, Missions Possible or Impossible. Now, we do know the answer. We do know missions is possible. But often, as missionaries, we hear that, say, well, I could never do what you're doing. Well, I, I want to tell you a little bit about ourselves, about Annette and me. And um, the, the point that I want to make is that we're regular people. Uh, first of all, just simply by saying we grew up in Steinbeck, you know, that, to me, that's pretty average already, right there. <laughs> we're not in high fluting places like Killarney here, you know. Steinbeck is just Steinbeck. I grew up on a dairy farm five miles out of town to very humble folks. I was uh, just a little kid. Uh, this might have been just before I was born, but I know Dad telling these stories. My dad's passed away many years ago. My mom was still alive. But where he had to choose whether he'd buy gas for the truck or would he buy pills for mom because the money was so low. Um, didn't have running water in the house till I was 10 years old, and I'm pretty young. Let's make that clear. Okay, now some of you can maybe identify with that, that kind of living too. But pretty humble people. My wife grew up in town, daughter of a businessman. And um, he had gravel pits and uh, ready-mixed concrete plant and that kind of stuff. Very humble beginnings for him too. I think he had a grade three education, maybe a grade four education. And he built it up. Plain, we're simple people. Our only post-high school education is Bible school and missionary training. So missions, possible or impossible? It is possible. So what sets someone like us apart from someone that doesn't go to the mission field? What sets a family like this apart from other musical families that don't travel and sing? You know, there, there is something that does set people apart. And I, I want to say that it's, it's God's leading. That's what sets people apart. And it doesn't mean that the people that stay at home or that don't sing are not led by God. I hope you are led by God. I hope that, that it's God that has led you to do the vocation that you're doing. I haven't talked to a lot of you, but I happen to know Jamie here is a farmer. 
I hope God has led him to that. I hope for, as I look over this, this crowd here, is a good number of you probably kind of passed your career already. And maybe some of you are still in it. But I hope it's God that's led you to do that and that you have confidence that it's God that led you. You know, the, the mandate of missions is gone out to the church from the time that Jesus went to heaven. When, as he left heaven, I mean, as he left for heaven, and if you can get me the next slide, he said these words. I'll just turn around and, and read it. He said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's what Jesus told the apostles. And if you read the scriptures and study the scriptures, you find that the apostles are the foundation of the church. They're the underpinnings of the church. They're the foundation. And, and out of that, as they taught and, and discipled and saw people saved, the church grew out of that. So this, this command rings through the apostles, just rings right out through the whole church. It is a command of the church. It's a, it's a reason we exist as a church, is to spread his good news. There's other purposes of the church, too, to encourage one another, edify one another, and so forth. But it's disciple, disciple, disciple. That's what God has given us. And, and as a church, and as we do that, you know, the, the church continues to grow. But now coming back to what separates a missionary, someone who is sent from a church, from someone who's not sent. And I believe it's when, when a, a person takes this verse and it becomes personal for him. It's not just the mandate of the whole church that we're all involved in corporately somehow and each one plays a part here. But when a missionary is one who takes it personally. There came a time in my life, I grew up on a dairy farm, as I said. My dad passed away just a couple years after I was done high school. And so my last year of high school, uh, he was sick. Uh, I started farming with him. And... Um, I just kind of carried on. We signed a contract. I got part of the milk check and all that kind of thing. And, and I wasn't long into it. And all of a sudden, I got thinking, said, what am I doing? I actually, I, I was always interested in spiritual things. I didn't know what God had for me. I, but I was just interested in spiritual things. And that and I both were involved in the church and ministry. She played music. I was in, taught Sunday school and youth group and involved in committees and ushering, all kinds of stuff, just involved in spiritual things of the church. And, and so I, I got into this farming, and I was starting to do that. And, and you know what God did? He made me discontent with farming. I, I loved running the equipment and all that, but, you know, getting up early in the morning and getting up was hard. And uh, then going to milk those cows, and in the winter, you know where the cow is laying, you know where it has its tail, and then it goes phew, right in my face. I mean, it, it, okay, sounds silly, but actually God used that kind of thing to make me discontent. But it was God's personal leading in my life. And this verse here became personal. This passage, that, that mandate that God gave the church became personal. I said, you know what, Mom and Dad, I think God's calling me to missions. There was other things involved in, in it too. I won't go into the long story. But it became personal. And it was so personal that when Matt and I started dating, we weren't long into our relationship, and I said, hey, I want to be a missionary. What about you? Because if this relationship was going to go, 
I wanted it to be together. And she said, yeah, that's cool. And we're still together. And we've been involved in New Transmission since we started our training in 78 and been involved on staff in Durham, Ontario for 80, you know, since 84. So God has led us that way. So are missionaries special in the sense that I can never do what you did? Nah, not. It depends on God's leading. Now, this family here, moving around, are they special? Yes, they're special, but it's God's leading them to do that. I'm convinced. We had supper together, and I don't know them very well. I can name a few of their names. But, I, but it's God's leading. But not every family that does music does that. But God has led them to do that. And there's such encouragement and blessing, right? So, on a personal level, possible, impossible. It's possible if God leads you. That's when missionary work becomes possible. Okay, on another level, the next slide. Um, there we go. The next question I want to answer, is it possible to see people like that, see those dark guys there, how do you lead them to Jesus Christ? And just let me tell you a little bit about those people. This, by the way, is the first day those people, the Moy people of Papua, Indonesia, saw a white man. That's the first day. It's uh, our executive director, Tim Watley. I work very closely with him. We work on the executive team together. And uh, he arrived there roughly in uh, 12 years so. Uh, uh, where are we? Just around 2000. There someplace. He, he was the first contact in that tribe together with his team. And so there they stand amongst these guys. These guys never seen white men before. And they're touching their clothes. They never felt cloth before. So what, what kind of people are they? Later they found out one of the only reasons they didn't kill him was because they thought these white guys were spirits. Okay, how do you reach a people like that? And that's, by the way, what New Transmission does. Over the years, we've, we've connected with roughly 340 language groups like that around the world. In the last number of years, about every 45 days, a language group like that hears the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that's what New Tribe is all about. You guys know Dave and Judy Wright. And you've heard their story and how they're involved with the Megan people in Papua New Guinea. So how do you reach a people like that? How do you get from this, go to, oh no, I'll tell you a little more about these people first. They're, they're, like I said, they only, but the only reason they didn't kill them because they thought they were spirits, they are a killing people. They kill each other. And they do that to survive. Because if they don't, because it has to do with animism, with sorcery, it has to do with worshiping the spirits, pleasing the spirits. And, and uh, the story of, of one of the men Tim told me about is uh, one of his wives. And they often have more than one wife. And it's not just, just to explain that a little bit, it, it, a woman without a man doesn't know where to fit in their social network. So her place of having a garden, her place of food, she has to come under a man. And so if her husband dies or whatever, then she goes to another man. And that, that's just the, the social network there. I'm not saying it's the right thing to do, but that's how that works in, in that network. But he had this young, young wife. She wasn't working hard enough. So with bow and arrow, he shoots her through the thigh. That should speed things up a bit, don't you think? Well, that was about healed, and he still is upset with her. And I, I won't explain it in, in too much detail here, but, but he explained to Tim how he'd gone after her. He was still mad at her, and he killed her. And Tim 
talked to him. The guy came to him, told him that, and Tim is thinking he didn't know the language all that well. There's a number of words for kill, and, and did this word kill really mean dead, like dead? And so he inquired about it. Yeah, he just killed her. And so Tim said, now, when you did this and you saw her lying on the ground there, weren't you somewhat sorry? And the guy cocked his head this way and said, sorry? Why? I, I wanted to kill her. Just no, like, like, how do you reach a people like that? That is just so cold. Their morals have been so deceived by Satan himself. They worship the demonic forces. And he probably thought he pleased the spirit somehow by doing that. How, how, so is it possible to reach people like that? Flip to the next slide. That top picture now is the Moy Church, some 12, 15 years later. Okay, those people, they're they're believers in Jesus Christ. They come to a point of saying, yes, Jesus Christ died for me on the cross. I accept his substitutionary death and sacrifice for me, and I now too am saved. I'll show you a clip of some of their testimonies in just a minute. They're now baptizing people. They're translating. They're helping the missionary translate. These guys that are so... uh, hadn't been in contact with white men. In fact, the Indonesian government didn't know they were there. Wycliffe didn't know. We didn't know. Nobody knew they were there. They were that remote. And they were found in, in uh, roughly 15 years ago. And uh, there's not too many groups like that left in the world, by the way. So this is a very remote situation. But how do they get to this point? And you know, it's by, by people like Tim going in there, getting to know them, building relationships, learning their language, putting their language into writing, translating the word of God, and then beginning to teach. Starting at Genesis, in the beginning, God. Who's God? They, they, that group had no concept of a good spirit. Some people in these animistic situations, they have a concept of a good spirit. But they always fear the bad ones. This group had no concept of a good spirit. And they began teaching about God, the good spirit. They began teaching that he's the creator of all these evil spirits. And that began to give them some relief. That there's actually a power bigger than the spirits that they were worshiping, the spirits that were driving them. There's actually someone bigger than that. And that began to give them hope. And they, they taught through the Old Testament about the law and about Moses and about Isaac and, and about the, the, the fact that, I, that the lamb came and was a substitute for Isaac and went all the way through to Jesus Christ and taught about how Jesus Christ was a sacrificial lamb. And, and then one day he died. And then he rose again. And they said, we believe that. We believe that. You know, uh, just uh, in the last week or two, um, our office received a number of emails from a high school group in, in Ontario, high school students. And uh, they'd done some research on new transmission on the website and so forth. And uh, I'm not sure, maybe 10 letters or so that we got saying, why are you doing what you're doing? Leave those people alone. Don't you know that you can go in there and cause disease? Don't you know that maybe they just are happy the way they are? And, and I, I just my heart burns for these great Twelvers that are thinking this way, that are taught by their teacher and, and told, hey, let's criticize this group. And, and they were played enough in their questions. I want to write them and, and tell them a little bit, but they have no concept of God. These kids don't. How do, you, how do you say, how do you go in there and disturb their culture? 
unless you understand that God is behind it. Unless you understand that God the Father said, go into all the world and teach all nations. Unless you understand that the, the, the passage in Revelation where it says that someday every tribe, tongue, and nation is going to worship him around the throne. Right? Unless you understand that, why would we go and do that? Now, if you don't understand that, leave them alone. But they, I tell you what, the people are not happy. One day, a mother brings a little baby, comes to, to a missionary and brings a little baby. And, and uh, you know, the, uh, the missionary checked the baby out and also noticed the, the toes, each little toe, uh, one on each foot was cut off. And they said, well, why do you do that? Well, the mother said, I have lost my first four babies. The evil spirits took them. So I'm going to make this one ugly so the spirits don't take it. Moms, are you happy living like that? Would you be happy living that kind of fear? <laughs> I know the answer, no. No. But, but, I mean, that's just one little example. This guy who, who, who killed his wife, who just had no concept of sorrow because of it, some years later, he got saved. Tim was out of the tribe at that time. He went back to visit. He came back to visit this guy a while later. He was a believer now. And just before he got into the tribe, he'd heard that the guy's wife had died and his daughter had died. Both of those were saved when they died. But so he came to visit this guy and he said, listen, you're a, you're a Christian now. You've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior. And, and here your, your mother has died, your daughter has died. Aren't you angry with God? And, and you see, this guy in his, in his animistic ways, his sorcery powers, he could maybe have healed them. He would have certainly tried and chant over them and do stuff and, and try to heal them. And, and the, the people said he probably could have healed them in the past. And so he was being pressured by unbelievers saying, pray to the spirits, pray to the spirits. He said, no, I'm just going to pray to Jesus. And so that, that was a testimony. And, and so when Tim asked him and said, aren't you just a little bit angry with God? I mean, now you've, you've gone to him and, and your wife dies, your daughter dies. He cocked his head sideways like that, gave him that same look that he'd given him back when he said, aren't you sorry about your wife? The same uncomprehensive look. He said, why would I be angry? God ordained their days from before the foundation of the earth. I just thank God that I had this time with them. And Tim says, those are the times that the missionary becomes the learner in spiritual things from the people that come to know him. And, and so is it possible... Is it possible for people that are so, so blind to the truth, they just kill without a second thought? Is it possible for them to come to Jesus Christ? The answer is yes. When they hear the word of God, God's Holy Spirit starts working in them, and they can change their thinking. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that tribe tomorrow morning. So come back and tell your friends. But I want to end with another thing. How does a missionary that goes into these remote areas, how does he do it? This area was 34 days hiking into the mountains. So they didn't hike it. They flew in by helicopter. Okay? But how does, how does a missionary go in there? How does he stay in there? And how does he, how does he function? Well, we're going to give you a demonstration. Okay? We'll do this quickly before the Moan family comes back. 
and I need help. Okay, we're going to end up having a, a, a big group of people up front here by the time I'm done, and I need help. And Bert and Lisa have volunteered to help. So guys, come right on up, and I'm going to be throwing out some vocations, some, you know, some cards that explain a vocation. And so if you're able and willing, why don't you, when you see something that you think you could do or you could imagine you could do, why don't you come stand over here? Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Come stand. Yeah, both just yeah, both of you over there. Yeah, together? you're together. Oh. Yeah, you're working together. <laughs> and so, so we'll just do this to, to make an illustration. I want to demonstrate to you what it takes to keep a tribal group like a tribal couple like Tim and his wife and family in, in that kind of a situation. So the green represents ministries that happen in a tribe. So one of the things they have to do is learn language. Okay, we'll go kind of faster. They got to learn culture because they want to learn to talk to the people, but they also want to understand the culture so they communicate appropriately in the culture. They do medical. One of the first things we do that we can help them with, simple antibiotic shot, uh, just helps them tremendously because their, their bodies aren't used to that. And uh, the babies don't die as often when, once medicine comes in there. We got to do linguistics, and that's we take the language, break it down, put it into writing. Linguists know how to do that. They have a very analytical mind. I'm not a linguist, and I don't want to be. And they do literacy. No, oh, no, 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 you don't stack them. No, stack no, them. just hold it between your fingers there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so, so they do literacy because, you know what? A church for believers, a church, they got to be able to read the Bible. So you got to teach them to read, right? And, and, and then to be able to teach them to read, you got to do, I mean, you got to do translation. You translate the Bible into their language. And then you got to teach them, okay? Oh, I know. Here. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Okay. <laughs> Got to teach them. And, you know, they, they have houses, solar panels, and all kinds of stuff. They do maintenance. Yeah, that, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> what do these people need? Help. Henry, come on up here. <laughs> Help them. Help them. <laughs> I got one for one of Okay, there we go. There we go. Here, uh, help Lisa out. You can hold three, Henry. Lisa can you hold two. So? Yeah, yeah. I think the guys should do more. Yeah, can't stack them. Yeah. So obviously they need help, right? And often we have teams of both three couples in, in a tribal situation. But like I said, uh, they need support. Okay. So all the things in red will be a support team that works on the field, and, uh, and they'll be supporting this team. So we need a pilot. Okay. Here's where I start needing volunteers. And you know what? There's a group there of young people. Feel free to come up and volunteer. Who wants to be? Uh, Leo. Leo. Okay, right. All right, we need a, we need a pilot. So he flies in, but, so he flies in supplies and that kind of stuff. So next we need a supply buyer, someone who will buy stuff and then put it on the plane or the helicopter and fly it out there. Who wants to be a supply buyer? Come on. Hannah? Oh, no, here, here, clean. All right, cool. Supply buyer. We need school teachers because kids need teaching. Uh, we don't send kids to, uh, to, to uh, dorms very much anymore, wait till they're high school age. So often teachers come and join uh, a tribal team right, right in the tribe. And so we need teachers. Hannah? Ah, Hannah, all right, got it right. We need administrators because there's flights have to be organized, money comes into the country, it has to be administrated, so forth. Amanda? I got it right. Oh, wow. 
We need administrators, computer techs. Here, I knew I had a volunteer bench right there. We need computer. Computers have made the biggest difference in translation, this kind of stuff. They used to all type it out, right? <coughs> Excuse me. And with computers, it just makes language learning and, and all that kind of stuff so much easier. We have a guest home. All fields have a guest home. And uh, so we, have, we, we need someone that likes to host, someone like Elizabeth here. Yes, likes to host. And uh, it just so when people go to the field and visit, there's a guest home. Or when a missionary goes out for a break, there's a guest home. Uh, we need a government rep. Dennis, where's Dennis? That's it. Let's get some people from the back. Okay. We need public relations. Who's a public? Call them out, Bert. Call them out. Rhonda. Rhonda. Public, re- uh, public relations. All right. We need office workers. Mary. Mary. All right. We're, we're, now we're rolling. Now we're rolling. Accountants. All right. Come on up here. Yeah. Guys, are you getting to see the picture? Because it takes us to keep missionaries on the field, right? Your money is going over to the field. We want accountants like Erna to handle the money appropriately. You're really an accountant? Oh, okay. We need construction people. Jamie, he's a farmer. He can do construction. You can stay right there if you need to for your children. Yeah. Uh, and, and one of the things we do, too, we, we go and we connect with the churches in the country we go to, and we come alongside and try to help them to, to send people to reach the tribal people in their country, and so we train nationals. Who's the teacher, Bert? Chelsea. Nancy. Nancy. Come on, Nancy. All right. So, so that that's sort of a, gives you a picture of the support team that's needed in the country where we work, just to just to keep these guys going over there so they don't have to come in and out all the time, so they can concentrate on language learning and, and all that kind of thing. And then we have home staff, and that's where Annette and I uh, fit in. Uh, we've been home staff all our missionary life, and uh, we're just thankful. We were part of a training team. We know literally hundreds of missionaries out there that are, that are overseas, and we, we had to stay here. We were on our way to Mexico, but God led us to Durham. So we have representatives just, just hold it up. You're fine. We have representatives uh, to do the kind of work I'm doing, to let people like you know what's, what's going on in the field. We have uh, trainers. Okay, I'm a trainer. We have office workers at the home office. My wife works in the, home, in the office at home, and uh, she's a receptionist. But we have, uh, where am I? Okay, this one here. We've, yeah, training and home office as well. That happened in Durham, Ontario. And then we have the church. And that's you guys. You know, all of this, this whole team here, each one comes from a church. Each one is sent by a church because the church understands that passage that I threw up earlier in Matthew. It says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And these people are sent out by ascending church. And so now just take it and flip your cart around. Yeah, the, the tribal team there has a few there to flip. Uh, you know what? And each one, each one is a missionary. You know, sometimes we think the missionary is only the one that's holding the Bible and preaching to the people. But the whole support team are missionaries as well, supporting the, the fact that the gospel is going out. And, and that's what it takes. 
So thank you guys. Just, just lay your cards on the bench here. I'll sort them out later. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. So to wrap this up, possible or impossible? It's possible when God leads. It's possible when God's word is preached. People turn from darkness to light when God's word is preached. And it's possible when the body functions together. So those are the, the three things that I want to share with you tonight. And I just hope that somehow you're enlightened just a little bit more about missions and a little more about what we do. But it's got to be God that's leading. Thank you. I just realized I should say this. I have some stuff on the back table. There's a little bit of literature. And uh, these two, uh, we're, we're really trusting the Lord to raise some funds for this building. We're renovating a building. And uh, take a look at it. Uh, this is other kind of projects that you could be involved in, give money towards translation and different things. If you're, if you're interested, in God would lead you that way. And uh, also, there's a DVD, a while. He's, he's one of those people of that Moy tribe, okay? And, uh, um, and so, he's, so if you want that, the only thing we ask is if you take one of these, give us your contact information. There's a pad and a pen there on the table. Give us your contact information and take this. And there's a lot of good clips here that tell stories about the mission field. So feel free to take that.